I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. The Dateable Podcast features real stories from real people of how they make modern dating work or not. I'm your host, Yue, former dating coach turned dating insider, if you will. On each episode, you'll hear commentary from my producer, Julie Kraftchik, and other surprise co-hosts. This episode of Dateable is brought to you by 500 Brunches. 500 Brunches connects like-minded people with similar interests to meet in real life over brunch. You answer a quick questionnaire about your interests and how you spend your time, and then they'll match you in small groups of six to eight at a brunch spot in San Francisco. Get a free entry into a brunch now by signing up at 500brunches.com and using the code DATEABLE. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating. When it comes to dating, everyone has their own perspective and their own approach on how you should date. You probably hear it from your best friend, your mother, your <laughs> your brother. Everyone has their own opinions. And today we have an author, Amy Spencer, with us today, who is the author of Meeting Your Half Orange, an utterly upbeat guide to using dating optimism to find your perfect match. I don't know how I can even say that sentence without a big smile on my face. It's just 
just so like sunshine and and giddy and and I'm just grinning. So Amy, how are you? I'm great, thank you. I'm smiling too. <laughs> and I will say I read this book a while back and it's definitely one that has stuck with me. So I was like, Yue, we need to get the author <laughs> yes. of this book on the show. So oh, I am fantastic. super excited about this one. And, but what's even more hilarious is Amy's book on Amazon. Apparently Amazon switched the the image of your book to Nas the rapper, his autobiography, <laughs> which is hilarious because it's like talking about dating optimism and there's Nas the rapper. Like smoking a, like <laughs> smoking. a cigar. But now it's back. We, we saw it. Amazon. They fixed it. Amazon gets some props for that. I asked them to and they fixed it. The nice, so for the smiley, sunshine cover back <laughs> with the orange on it. Yeah, I was like, I wouldn't associate Nas with dating optimism, but okay, well, I'll see where this goes. Well, yeah, you know what? Who knows, right? Who knows? The yeah. cover. I'm open-minded. It's all good. So Amy's originally from Long Island and currently in Venice Beach in LA, enjoying the sunshine today. And she is married. Now, Amy, your book, from even just the the title of it. It's about dating op- optimism, but you also have written some other books. One of them is called Bright Side Up, A Hundred Ways to Be Happier Right Now. So you're just like a happy guru, it sounds like. <laughs> I am. It, it just happened. I, I was born that way. I was nurtured that way. And when I realized it could be helpful to other people to share some of the things I'd learned by being that way, that's what kind of inspired me to write these books. And what I love is that you also have a website called thelifeoptimist.com and you offer assignment optimism tips on your Twitter account at <laughs> Dating Optimist. So you've really just branded yourself as this person who's like the ultimate, not just dating, but like a life optimist, I would say. Yeah, I, I think that we could all use that little injection sometimes is is kind of what led me to do that. You know, we all need the reminders. A little Definitely. bit of bright side thinking can change everything, especially, obviously, in dating, which it did for me. So speaking of dating, meeting your half orange, what does that mean? What's a half orange? <laughs> a half orange, <laughs> I know, it's a mystery. A half orange is a translation of the Spanish phrase, mi media naranja, which translates as my half orange. And it's a phrase that a lot of Spanish speaking countries use to mean like your perfect other half, your sweet other half. And the man I have since married, which I uh, essentially wrote the book about meeting, is his family is from Argentina. And when I first met his family, they were, you know, all aghast and excited that he had met his media naranja. And I, <laughs> I, I decided that everybody needed one of those. I love it. So it's like your lobster. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. It's your yes. half orange. <laughs> and not to say, important note, that everyone needs another half to complete them Mm -hmm. because that is not at all what the concept of the book is about or what I believe, but more that your other half is someone who complements you. You know, you, you come together and meet in the middle and together have a nice life that brings out your best for both of you. So before meeting your half orange, were you always this way? How did you date? What was your dating life like? Well, I started out the happiest dater on earth. I was always, uh, you know, up for anything. Oh, you want to meet my friend? Sure, I'd love to meet your friend. Oh, sure, I'll go on a first date with the guy at the deli who just asked me out. I was pretty much open for anything. And I tended to kind of focus more on long-term relationships, meaning that if I I would go on a couple dates with a guy, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't drag them out unless I saw 
a, a much longer future. So I was really, I dated a lot It was what that meant. But what happened was that after years and years and years of dating and not finding the one I wanted to stay with, mm-hmm. and you know, I just kept having one date at a time or three dates at a time, right? Date for three weeks and just couldn't find the right person. It started weighing on me and watching my friends get married and watching my friends then have children and, and kind of being left behind. It really started to eat at me and, and, uh, chip away at my confidence, at my hope. And I found myself feeling, I don't know, more and more down, more and more over it and kind of verging on a little bit of bitter. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I started just I started talking so negatively about dating and about love and I'll probably never find the right guy. And, you know, there's maybe there's no one out there for me. And I just, I found myself using so many negative words and I I didn't recognize myself. I got to the point that I didn't recognize myself nor like what I sounded like. I think a lot of people probably relate to that sentiment. (laughs) Yeah. And I didn't mean it. I was telling the truth at at the time. You know, I just really felt like there wasn't going to be somebody for me. And so I kept telling everyone that. And of course, telling essentially the universe that. And so that's what I got more of was a whole lot of not the right person. What What you're really describing is like this dating cycle that a lot of people go through on a monthly basis. They start off the month maybe really optimistic and they get on all these dating apps and they want to meet everyone. And by the end of the month, they're like deleting all the apps and being like, I'm taking a dating hiatus. So how did you get yourself out of this mindset? Essentially... I was inspired by my sister who ended up, she was also kind of in a rut and decided to create a a group with some girlfriends of hers. They they called the goalies where they would get together and talk about their goals they wanted for the future. And they would talk about uh, essentially, you know, how they wanted to feel in their new jobs and how happy they wanted to be. And she started visualizing herself like she was going to take a break from work and travel cross country and she could feel the wind in her hair and she was going to see all these states she hadn't seen before and experience new things and meet new people. And she ended up getting the most dream job on earth. She got offered the job to uh, work for you too as their massage therapist on their world tour. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And I said, well, wait a minute. Six months ago, you were miserable at your job you started talking about how you were going to quit and travel cross country. And now you have your dream job on earth. And she said, well, yeah, I just, I started talking about what I wanted and really getting my, like my optimism up and feeling good about it. And I thought, you know, here I was down in the dumps, really over how my life was going. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, if she can do that with work, maybe I can do that with love. And so I kind of borrowed her techniques for myself in thinking about dating and just literally changed how I spoke about dating, how I felt when I thought about it, the activities I was doing, making sure that I did more positive things and surrounded myself by more people that made me feel good. And over time, just, uh, you know, the optimism that I built up and the attitude that it affected in me is what led me to my husband. A lot of these mindset changes do come from sort of what, how you speak and how you talk about things. So give us mm-hmm. an example of how you used to frame a situation <laughs> versus the optimistic way of talking about it. So it's a great question because I, I feel like so many of us don't even hear what we sound like when we talk about things. Mm-hmm. So w- like one thing that I, I found myself saying a lot 
is that I just want a guy who will call me back. Or I just want a guy who has a job, right? I would, I would. It was almost like going for the lowest common denominator. I just want a guy who has two feet or who, who has all know, his teeth. Show up. Yeah. Uh, not that a guy has two feet. I'm yeah. sure he could be great without it. Yeah. So it was just lowest common denominator was on my list, and I later realized, well, wait a minute. I want a guy who calls me back and is kind to me and is interesting mm-hmm. and we have a good time. So I started changing my language around what I was looking for was kind of one of those examples. And it felt better, you know, to start asking for more and start expecting and feeling like I deserved more than just a guy who'd call me back. So one thing you mentioned in your book is believing in the universe, being in tune with what you want. So if you say you don't want to be single anymore, the world may focus <laughs> on bringing you what you're focused on, which is being single. Can you explain more about that? So the way I saw it and the way I felt it was that when I would say, I don't want to be single anymore, I would hear in my tone what that sounded like. Mm -hmm. So what that sounded like was like, I don't want to be single anymore, right? (laughs) Which, Which is sort of like a depressed, over it, tired way of speaking, way of feeling. If I said instead, I want a relationship, it was... It was about the tone of what I was looking for, which was the positive message, you know, and again, the word Mm -hmm. itself, saying single, I was saying it in a bitter tone, but also kind of just saying the word single over and over again was, in my opinion, attracting more singleness. You know, it's the the age-old law of attraction concept, which I firmly believe in, and I think it plays a big part in uh, how I did find my husband repeating what you don't want is reminding the world what you don't want and uh, attracting more of what you don't want to you. Yeah. So I I tried to flip it, you know, instead of what you don't want, talk about what you do want. I don't want to be poor. I want money. I don't want to be single. I want a relationship. I love how you made a comment about like, if like you are always like, Oh, why are all men selfish and commitment phobic? And that's what Mm -hmm. you start to see. It's almost like you're looking for it now because you're like thinking about that so much. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, one of the things I started actively doing, anytime I caught myself talking about what I didn't want, I would flip it, think about what I did want instead. And instead of like what you're saying, you know, being afraid of or talking about commitment phobic guys, I would think, okay, hang on, let me think about some guys that I do think are good people, you know, my friends, partners or people I worked with. And I would look at those guys and think, okay, look at that guy. He's been committed for a couple of years with her. He's kind to her. He invites her to everything. He calls her back. He takes her out for nice meals. Whatever it was, I found myself focusing more on that. And it, it kind of, the more I looked at the good stuff, the less room there was to focus on the bad stuff. This is almost like psychology 101. If you look at any of these like marketing <laughs> totally. courses about advertising, the minute the reason why advertising works is that they present an idea in your head. And once it's presented and it's in your head, you start seeing it more and more. Right, so for people right. who are like shopping for red cars, they end up seeing more red cars on the road. It's not they're yeah. necessarily more red cars. It's just right. they see it more. Right. Exactly. So it's like all of a sudden there's all these commitment phobic men. Yeah, they're everywhere. If Amy's flipping the script, there's all these really great attentive men. Yes, exactly. (laughs) We actually had an episode with a with a woman who was sick of being breadcrumbed. So all these men would, you know, string her along, tell her she's great, but then they come in and out of her life and she was sick of it. And she kept saying, like, 
why am I attracting all these men who keep breadcrumbing me? But <laughs> if you were there to speak to her, you would probably say, well, flip it. Instead of saying, why are all these men breadcrumbing you? You should say, I'm looking for men who are respectful, who are um, not afraid of commitment, who want to be in a relationship, yeah. who, you know, who, yeah, it's, it's the positive of it. Yeah. That. And and I know it sounds simplistic, but it's, it's magical what happens if you force yourself to look for the good stuff. I mean, if you say even today, I'm going to look for five men, or if you're looking for women, whoever it might be, who look like the kind of person that I am, I want in my life. You know, I'm looking for kind, attentive, intelligent, all that respectful. If you seek it out, you will find five of those people. You know, even if it's somebody walking their dog on the road who moves out of the way or says hello to you, you will find them if you make the choice to look for them. So then, you know, some people would say, that's great. I can sort of change my mindset, but my love life is out of my control. I can control everything else in my life except for my love life. What would you say to them? I would say... That's funny. I thought that too. (laughs) I absolutely thought that too, because that's relying on another person and I have nothing to do with that. Right. But then I started thinking, but hang on a minute. The other parts of my life are relying on other people too, right? My work life completely relies on other people. It relies on a boss hiring me or a client paying me, uh, you know, getting a car relies on somebody selling the car to me being available for the appointment, everything that I'm doing in my life, renting an apartment or a house, I need the landlord to approve my application. All of those things rely on other people as well. And in that way, I thought, well, dating really isn't that different. You know, it's, it's how I come to it and what I bring to it that is just as important as what the other person is doing as a response. Let's go deeper into this because some of the dating advice you bring isn't just as simple as being optimistic. In fact, some of the dating advice in your book goes sort of against the traditional advice we always hear. So let's just go through each one by one and dig a little deeper. One is you believe in being picky. We say this all the time on our podcast. Don't be so picky. Be open-minded. You never know. You only know what you know. So don't have a type. But you're saying be picky when when it comes to selecting your partner. Explain yes. more. Yes. Well, essentially, you know, the thought of being open-minded is where all those jests come in, right? That, that sometimes people, by, by not being picky, they say, I just want the guy to call me back. And I'm saying, no, you don't. You want it all. Because if you start getting excited about the person for a, a grander set of reasons, you know, if you want the person you're attracted to and laugh with and they're inspired by and feel adventurous with you get more excited by it, right? You get more excited by the concept of a relationship that has it all. And that energy that you create by wanting an even greater relationship is going to put you into the world as a more excited, happy, attractive person. And your partner is more likely to see you walking down the street and say, who's that? And what does she have? And how can I be a part of that? So what you're saying here is not so much being picky superficially, like I have to have someone over six feet and make this much money, but it's more about having standards and values right. of what you're looking for in a partner and making sure that you don't, you're not lenient on yep. those standards. 
Right. That's an excellent way to put it. It's the standards, not necessarily the physical attributes. You know, I sort of say in the book, like, you know, you're allowed to be picky about the dessert you order. That's a 10 minute commitment or the shoes you buy, which is maybe a six months <laughs> commitment, depending on how good the shoes are. So of course, for goodness sake, shouldn't you be picky about the 50 plus year relationship yeah, that you're looking for? It's true. Cause it's like, this is your life. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> this isn't just like checking the box to get married or something like this is right. who you're with. And then you also say, don't make dating a priority. I love this. It's so different than everyone else. Because we always say, you know, if you want to meet someone, you got to make it a priority. It's almost like a second job. Get yourself out there. You're Mm -hmm. saying, don't do that. Why? Well, even just hearing you say, make it like a job. Like, (laughs) what is worse than making something that you want, that is joyful, feel like a job? So my thinking was that one thing that I noticed that was happening in my dating life was that I responded to every invitation based on who was going to be there, who's going to be there. Do you want to come to dinner? We're having a dinner party. Well, who's going to be there? If it it was just some couples who were already together and, you know, two single girlfriends, I would think, I don't know. I think I want to go to this party instead where I'm more likely to meet somebody. And so I kept turning away from the things that brought me joy in my life, which is my good friends and going to the theater and going to see live music and taking cooking classes. The things that brought me joy, I was saying no to because I thought I'm not going to meet a guy that way. So I started doing things that I didn't necessarily want to do in the hopes of meeting a guy. But then of course, what happens is if I'm doing the things I didn't really want to do, I wasn't in the highest energy and the best spirit and the best vibe. You know, I was going to a party, but not with like pure hope and joy. I was going to a party purely to scope out where the cute guys were. I can totally relate to that. I mean, I think there's a reason like singles events get a bad rep because there is like this feeling of like being forced that you're almost going there, which is like you're saying you're not coming from a good place when you feel like that's the energy that's being brought in. You know, the minute you put it into a, a math equation, get a date, good night. Don't get a date, bad night you know, you're, you're, you're setting yourself up to be disappointed again and again. You right. know, we always hear from people when we ask what kind of energy are you most attracted to? And people always say, you know, if I'm in a room, I'm most attracted to the person who looks like they're having the most fun, yep. who are enjoying themselves. And they're not looking for the person who looks like they're on the prowl. Right. <laughs> you said it in the book too, but I've totally relate to this, this notion of the grubby glow. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And I definitely have experienced this multiple times. I think any relationship I've been in, in it's been when I have not been dressed up. Anytime that you like spend hours and hours getting ready, it feels like forced when you go out and usually you meet no one. Yes. Yeah. It's always, I had a friend tell me, don't ever buy a new outfit for a date Mm. because suddenly you're out there wearing your new outfit and you're thinking about how the outfit looks on you and how you're walking in it and is it riding up? And you're thinking about that instead of the experience that you're having. And so the grubby glow is something that I thought, oh my gosh, <laughs> I love nice. it. Right? When you're home and your friend says, come out, we're having a great time. And you say, oh, are you kidding? I'm in my sweats. My hair's in a ponytail. I look ridiculous. And she says, who cares? We're just having fun. And you say, oh, what the heck? Okay. And that glow that you have by not putting yourself together and just going for the experience itself is of course what ends up attracting other people going, who's that girl? She's in such a happy mood and she's not even, tr- she's not even trying that hard. 
So yeah, it's 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 magic what happens, and so it's many the have energy. the same story. It's, it's, it's always, the, always energy. the energy. We yep. interview so many couples on our podcast, and we always ask, "What was the first thing you notice about him or her?" And they always respond with this energy he or she was putting off. Like she just looks so happy or he had the smile on his face. It was never like, oh, she was wearing this tight dress or he was wearing this really nice shirt. It was right? never about that. Yeah, it's about energy. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And isn't it funny that people always say like when you're in a relationship, that's when you start attracting the most amount of people. <laughs> oh my true, gosh, right? always. It's right, it's confidence. the don't care. You're, you're yeah. dressing and don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I totally agree with you 100% on this because I feel like anytime I've met someone, it's been unexpected. It's been because I'm just having a good time and in a good place of something that's making me feel good. But the flip side that I would love to like get your thoughts on, it's yeah. like you also let's say you just like enjoy staying home and watching Netflix. Like no yeah. one's gonna show it up at your door. <laughs> yeah, you can't order an Uber right. Uber husband. It just doesn't work. So how Not do, yet how you, do you balance like getting out there and doing stuff and meeting new people without having it be so expectation heavy. It's time to take a quick break so we can tell you about the latest service we have been building over at Datable. We'll be offering a platform to connect you with vetted dating experts from our network to help with everything from dating profile reviews, coaching to see where you're getting stuck in dating, and even ways to get real feedback about your dating style. The sessions typically run from 30 minutes to an hour and can all be done via Skype or Google Hangouts so you can be anywhere. We're so excited about this because so many of you wrote in asking how you can find people to help up your dating game. And this should be a great way to get personalized, affordable advice. We'll be adding more coaches and more services. And of course, let us know if there's something specific you like to see. To meet the coaches and book your session today, visit datablepodcast.com slash coaching. Now back to the show. So how, do you, yet, how you do you balance like getting out there and doing stuff and meeting new people without having it be so expectation heavy? Right. It, and it's a great question because that is the case a lot, right? Like all I want to do is sit home and binge whatever show, The Marvelous Mrs. Mizell. Um, and where's, where's the guy in that, right? So my thinking on that is you go with your gut, which is truest to you. You do what's making you happy. And if for one straight week, doing what makes you happy is sitting home and binging this TV show, then by goodness sake, you do it, right? But chances are that after a week of binging a TV show and staying home every night, your your spirit is going to be ready to go out and meet some people or go out and have a cocktail or go out for a dinner. And then you follow that that train to go out. Like I had a, a friend of mine who wanted to stay home one night. She, uh, decided that she wanted to bake, um, a, a, some kind of muffin loaf or something. Mm -hmm. She thought, you know what? I'm not going to meet a guy this way, but what I really want to do tonight is skip this party and go make this, this bread loaf. So she went to the grocery store, bought the ingredients. And while she was online talking to the cashier, uh -huh. there was a guy behind her. Oh my God, uh, they didn't really it. even talk funny enough that night, but when she got home and was making her loaf, she got a ding on her, uh, Tinder or match or whatever it was that she was on. Oh and my gosh. it was a guy who said, did I just see you in the grocery store? Oh that my is God. So funny. And because she had this bright red hair and she just had this dynamic smile and she was so happy about making her bread that she was in a great <laughs> mood. They ended up going on a date. They're now married with a child. 
Oh, so wow. She, she met a guy by essentially deciding to stay home and bake some bread. <laughs> well, I love, I, I mean, I totally agree. I think if you're forcing yourself to go out and you're not happy, you are not going to meet anyone because your facial expressions, your just energy is not there. So I do agree with you on that part. It makes so much sense. But there is a balance here, right? There is yes. something to be said about being comfortable and doing what makes you happy. But also at certain points in your life, you got to push yourself a little bit out of your comfort zone, take on those challenges and say, How? I'm not totally convinced right. of this event, but I think I should just push myself and go anyway. Right. Right. And, and absolutely on that, you know, that, that's whatever the phrase they sort of say, like, if you don't change anything, nothing's going to change. So of course, if you find yourself that you're in a rut and you know, you think you could use a good dose of, uh, pushing yourself a little bit, 1000%, uh, doing that will help in a new frame of mind. And one thing that I, I feel really helped me when I was kind of pushing myself to go out in, uh, in a few times that maybe I, I wasn't totally up for it in the moment was the idea of kind of seeing a room as more of just an open experience rather than the math equation of must meet guy, must get date, um, or the nights of failure. And like one of the things which I, it was really changed a lot for me was thinking about what kind of guy I wanted and changing my list, mm -hmm. which ended up changing my nights when I went out on these to these events. So for instance, it's, it's healthy to make a list of intentions to kind of set some goals for yourself for what you're looking for. And I'm totally down with that. I think it's a fabulous idea, but I think when it comes to dating, the most helpful thing to do is to change your list from what you want in a partner to what you want in a relationship. Um, so when I talk about being picky, once again, it's not that I'm saying, uh, Oh, I want a, a guy who is six foot tall and who's funny because it's not that you want a guy who's six feet tall. It's that you want a relationship in which you feel either attracted to your partner and maybe height is a major attraction for you or a relationship in which you feel like, you know, you're more female to his male energy, mm -hmm. um, whatever it is, you, you know, you feel protected. Um, you know what? It's not that you want a guy who's funny. It's that you want a relationship in which you laugh. Mm -hmm. And so by changing my list in this way, and instead of talking about the physical attributes of a guy, talking about the feelings that I wanted in a relationship, it suddenly opened up every room to more possibilities than I'd ever experienced. So rather than walking into a room and saying, oh, okay, there's three guys with dark brown hair who are around <laughs> the height that I like, which I used to do, <laughs> I suddenly looked around the room and thought, okay, short guy, tall guy, red hair, no hair, you know, different weights, different ethnicities, all of it. They all became possibilities because now my list was about how I was going to feel when I was with them. So it gave me the chance to think, all right, well, let me talk to everybody and see how I feel when I'm with them. And of course, again and again, I would be surprised by the fact that the guy who was maybe a little shorter or a little different looking than what I was used to was the guy who actually made me feel like what I was looking for, which was, you know, inspired or challenged or laughing or attracted. Um, and so that, that really helped me, you know, that when I would go out, when I was not necessarily feeling it sometimes... Um, that's what I would do. I would change the, the framing of it. Yep. That's so powerful to say so. because when we say, <laughs> when we make a list of things we're looking for in a partner, it becomes 
pitting me against them. It becomes mm. what what is it that they're bringing to the table? And it also <laughs> pits them against each other. So I think about like if you're going back to baking a cake or something, it's like instead of going out there trying to find the best milk to put in your cake, <laughs> maybe it's about finding the different ingredients that could make your cake the best. So maybe <laughs> okay, it's not even that. milk. Maybe it's like, um, <laughs> sometimes I put bananas in my cake because yeah. I, you know, I don't want to use butter. So it, it's about the end result and it's that relationship. That's very powerful to think about. Yeah. I think there's also something different about taking a break to reset. Like you use that Netflix example. Like if you really feel like you need to do that for a week – do it and feel better versus yeah. giving up. Yeah. And I think that's where like you can you can get really comfortable and just not really put yourself out there. So I do think there is like that conscious difference that we should pay attention to also. Let's hold that thought for a sec. We'll get right back to it. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to ViaHemp.com and use a code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's ViaHemp.com and use a code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from ViaHemp. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast, Exit Interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. Wait, wow. what? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. When she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So speaking of uh, staying home and watching TV, what is the sex in the city syndrome? Ah, the sex in the city syndrome. (laughs) Essentially, what it is, is it's something that kind of hits modern women where we think, you know, I don't need a man. I can do just fine on my own. And that is true, right? So the the thinking is that when we look at the women on Sex in the City, we we see them kicking ass and not needing a man and trying to have sex like a man and not really needing to, um, you know, feel like 
they're stuck, you know, that they can have a one night stand just like a guy. And Charlotte on the show, of course, was always the one who was the romantic and really thought that love was possible and that you could be a strong woman and still have love. And she's the one who always got the eye rolls from the characters on the show. She did. She got made fun of a lot. (laughs) And so the thinking was, was that it is a woman saying that she needs a man is okay. Because it's not that you need a man to survive, which we know that we don't. It's that you want a man to have a relationship with, which is part of our lives. It's part of a natural human desire is to have connection with another person. So just because women are now in the workforce and equal to men and feel like they can do everything on their own, it doesn't mean that the pendulum has to swing so far to one side that men get kicked to the curb. You know, it's possible that we can sort of swing the pendulum back and see it as the fact that we are strong women who don't need guys or partners, but that wanting one is just as healthy and it's okay. We can be strong, smart women with a a big career and kicking ass in the city and still want a partner to have a relationship with. That goes back, that actually goes into this next piece of advice you say in your book, which is like, we say these things to protect ourselves. Like, oh, it's okay if you don't call me back. I don't, I don't care about him anyway. Or um, I'm not really looking for something serious. It's okay that she didn't want this relationship or whatever. We say these things, but we don't actually mean it. So if we are celebrating singlehood, yeah, like there is a point where you say, I'm happy being single. I love the freedom. But it's okay to also say, right. but I'm also looking for a relationship. But I think a lot of times people don't want to be that like poor, pathetic, single person. And I think that's like probably the positive of modern era that that isn't necessarily the way people view people. So sometimes you might like overcompensate and say like on like a night on the town being like, I love being single, like it's the best, blah, blah, blah. And then coming home and like feeling that like loneliness. How do you balance that? Because it's like on one side, that's really great that you are not just like like you're enjoying your life, right? Like yeah. you're not just yeah, like yeah, yeah. Being of course. the victim, but then also it's conflicting because you're putting out to the like universe and even friends and signals that like you're content being single and you like it. And they may not think to like introduce you to a friend or right. that just might not come for you because that's not the energy you're putting out. How would you advise people to balance those? Yeah. I, well, I think the way you just expressed it, you know, you have a night where you're having the best time and you go, you know what? I love being single. And then you go home and you feel a little lonely. Mm-hmm. That's human, a thousand percent natural and totally okay. What i find is that an issue comes up when you go out every day and say, I love being single. I love being single. Oh, being single is the best. Thank God I'm single. If you're looking for a relationship and you find that you're constantly talking about how much you love being single, that's where you start looking at it and say, Hey, wait a minute. What is the message that I'm putting out there? You know, not to the universe. And like you're saying to friends of yours, to coworkers, who would think, oh, I have a really great person I would want to set my friend up with, but gosh, all she talks about is how happy she is being single. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so when it's when it's a balance between a, a natural back and forth, you know, I, I I'm having a nice time being single, and actually, I'm a little lonely being single. Totally normal. But when you find yourself with the same message over and over again, it's really a case of listening to yourself while you talk. You know, what are you saying again and again? Look at the message you're sending. So is it, I love being single or is it, I'm miserable being single? Either way, you're putting that single 
message out into the energy around you, out to the people who are listening to you, out to the guy who might be truly standing behind you mm-hmm. <laughs> and hearing you say this to your friends and think, oh, too bad. I would have otherwise maybe asked her out, but she seems so happy. I won't right. Well, I mean, we see this all the time, like especially mm-hmm. with social media and like the perception people are out there. Like there's definitely that side of people that are just loving the single life. But I think it also is a good time to reflect yourself too if you are always saying that because maybe you do love the single life and right, like, right. finding a relationship might not be as big a priority as you feel like it is because of just society in general. Mm-hmm. Well, in fact, I've, I've had quite a number of friends who have talked about how they're single and they're looking for a relationship and they'll say, but I'm not really sure because this is the first time I've been alone and I'm starting to travel and my book will come up and I'll say, then don't read the book. You know, if you're in a zone, (laughs) because really if you're in a zone and feel that you're learning from life and you're having new experiences and having new adventures, you know, if you're not in the place that you feel like, okay, this is it, I'm ready to settle down a bit, to really focus my energy on one other person, then don't force yourself. You know, there's nobody said there's a law that you have to be in a relationship to be happy. My goodness, that's so not true. Um, so yeah, I always tell people, you know, if they start, if you start reading, meeting your half orange and kind of feel like, I don't know, I don't think I'm ready for this. Put the book down. It's not for you. It's not right. Just <laughs> All right, let's go into some takeaways um, because we talked about some of your non-traditional dating advice, but I think it it's still consistent with what we're hearing. It's just a different way of framing it. And I like that because focusing on your happiness and becoming the person that you want to be without thinking that someone else is going to get you there is sort of like step number one, yeah. knowing yes. that I can get there myself. I can be the happiest I can be without someone. And when I am the happiest I can be, that's what attracts other people. Totally. Exactly. And yeah, exactly. I would say that's the essence of this entire book, really, which is just the reminder over and over again to flip the math on happiness and relationships. Because I I know that when I was dating, I thought, I just want to get in a relationship and then I can be happy. And I just, it was the dawn of understanding that if I'm just happy first, A, I'll be happy and I can skip the relationship (laughs) part if I want to. But if anything, being happy is what's going to attract the right relationship. Mm -hmm. Because that's where the right partners come to you when you're in your zone. You know, that's when the people look at you and go, hey, look at her. Like, she's got this funny vibe. She's. You know, she's not even bothered to dress up for this party. She's just here to like kick back and have a good time with everyone. You know, that's what's going to attract the person who's most like you. So you want to get in your good zone and then you're, you have the better uh, fish to choose from. I mean, I think the other takeaway is like, I love this notion of not getting your hopes up like that you brought up. Like, it's like, stop pretending you don't want things to save face. And like, just put out what you're looking for because you never know. Like you said, if you're, if you're talking about or complaining about being single and there's someone eligible right behind you, like there, mm-hmm. you're going to miss that opportunity. But if yeah. you're just like saying like what you want, you'll find other people that want the same thing. Yeah, totally. I, the, it's language, if anything, I think is the most important takeaway from what my experience was and what I've heard from other people, because language, you know, the way you say things becomes your tone and your body language. Like it all follows what you're saying. So if you find yourself 
you know, really constantly talking about how, oh, it's probably going to be a terrible date anyway. It probably won't work out. I shouldn't get excited about it. What's the point? Guys suck anyway. This city's tough to meet anybody, right? Like you're just piling on all this weight and, and negativity and, and, uh, just heaviness to something that could be an open opportunity, you know? So it's really just as much as you can thinking about, you know, what do you want? What are you hopeful for? And if your heart gets broken, that happens. That's human. That's going to make you even, you know, more lovable, more understanding, more empathetic as a human being. And, and, you know, those experiences are going to help you toward your next relationship. So yeah, it's, it's crushing if a date doesn't work out, a relationship doesn't work out, but it's crazy to try to protect ourselves from that in advance and say, oh, I didn't care anyway, because right. you're still going home and, you know, crying it out in, in, with a cocktail with your friends, you know, you'll still be disappointed. Getting your hopes up, getting excited about what you want, because that's what's going to, I don't know, lead you out into the world with your shoulders back and your arms open and hopefully more of a smile on your face and that you'll see more, like you said, more. you'll see more red cars. You'll see more caring and empathize. You <laughs> well, know? I like this more notion of positivity and then also addressing that it might not always be positive. Like you might yeah. be upset. Like oh, it's yeah. natural to be disappointed if a date doesn't work out. But I think it's how you bounce back from it. Like if you're just huh. like, oh, I'm never going to date again after that. Or all men are like this or all women are like this. If you just like say, well yeah, it's disappointing. I was hoping this would lead somewhere and it didn't, but it just wasn't the right fit. That's very different than that other energy. And I also got better at the time in the minute I noticed that a date wasn't working out, you know, I would go on my internet date and I'd show up and it was like, oh man, you know, he's just not at all what I thought he looked like. And, Mm -hmm. you know, my insides would sink. I used to think, oh, what a waste of time. Can't wait to get out of here. And I turned that into, well, guess what? I've signed on for an hour here. Maybe I'll feel differently when I talk to him. And if I don't feel attracted to him, maybe I'll find a friend in this. Maybe I'll learn something. You know, I remember one of my dates, a guy had like a really interesting job moving artwork from, uh, you know, different buildings to another and all the work that was involved in all this million dollar artwork. And I just found it fascinating and thought, well, let me just learn about this. You know, let me find out what kind of interesting people there are in the world or find out what good restaurants they know about or what places to go on vacation. You know, just trying to find something good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Dating is all about just getting to know people. It's not trying to evaluate them to be a life partner. (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. This is, is, um, uh, yeah, this is a good time to bring up our question of the day. Comes from Anker. He says, I really admire people who are optimistic, but it's just not in my nature to be that way. I wasn't raised that way, and I'm just not sure how to even think more positively. Is it possible to become more optimistic? What are some tactics or exercises? I feel like this is a pretty good question for you, Amy. Oh my gosh, it's a great question. (laughs) And also keeping in mind, I do realize I was raised, I I do believe there's nature and nurture involved in optimism and a lot of studies uh, back that up. So for a lot of people, they don't have possibly, you know, those little extra special, happy, smiling genes. And also they may not have been nurtured with that type of thinking. So it is a practice that you do need to work on. Um, But the good news is absolutely you can work on it and you can change your thinking. So some of the, um, Tactics that I would say, first of all, is checking your language, which we've talked a lot about, and learning to flip it. Um, One of the best things that I do to flip uh, kind of a negative thought in my mind to a positive one is I'll think, 
at least I'm not dot, dot, dot. You know, so if I'm on a date and it's going terribly, I'll think, well, at least I'm not, uh, you know, on a date and it's freezing cold, or at least I'm not with a sociopath who's <laughs> trying to kill me. Um, whatever, the, whatever the worst case scenarios are, you know, you just lift it to just even one notch above what it was before, and you sort of get better at finding a, a brighter side of it. And the other thing is body language, uh, which we haven't talked about smiling. It seems obvious, but uh, it really does shift, and this is based on scientific studies, shifts how your thinking goes. Like you're the same way that, you know, feeling a certain way can make your body language react. So if you're feeling depressed, mm -hmm. you'll find yourself with hunched over shoulders and, you know, yes. possibly crying and down. You can reverse that by changing your body language. You can actually affect your thinking in that same way. So by changing your body language, putting your shoulders back, opening your arms and smiling, forcing yourself to smile. There's a, a famous smile called the Duchenne smile where it actually activates all these, all these facial muscles. It makes your mind think, oh, this human must be happy because all of these nerve endings are being activated by this smile. Um, so forcing yourself to smile, I would do it sometimes before I walked into a party I would force myself to smile for 10 seconds wow. or some crazy amount of time. And I would think, my face hurts. This is so annoying. This is so dumb. <laughs> I, look, I look insane. Um, but by doing it, it's, there's, your body doesn't, almost doesn't know better. You know, it thinks that you're in a good mood and it's not sure why. Yeah, but it's I've totally done that before. It definitely can be a game changer. Yeah, you yeah. got to trick your brain sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So it's gratitude, language. Smiles are my best tips on that. I loved one of the things in your book that you talked about was like visualization of like what you saw of a per like the partner that would be your half orange. Yes. Can you talk a little more about that? Yes. And, and this is, this was a big one too, um, because essentially what the whole concept of dating optimi optimism is about is about making you feel what you want. And so anything that you can do to activate your feelings as opposed to just kind of your logical mind, you know, we want to get like your gut inside smiling. Um, visualization is one of those things that really helps. And by that, I mean, certainly, you know, dream boards or vision boards, which a lot of people will do. And I do recommend doing them and kind of putting pictures up mm -hmm. that you can look at of, of what kind of relationship you want. You know, maybe it's free or adventurous or, uh, you know, exciting. And in addition to that, kind of visualizing moments that you want to have with your other half and sort of picturing yourself there, really closing your eyes and imagining, you know, what's your happy place in life? Where, where's one of the places that you go that always makes you happy? And for me, it was a beach in Montauk, New York. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would picture myself, you know, every time I'm at Ditch Plains Beach, I'm so happy. The ocean's going, the surfers are on the waves, the birds are flying. And I would think, I'm going to picture myself here with my half orange, and we're holding hands, and he's going to love this place as much as I do, and it's going to make me feel calm and complete to have us all here together. And I would picture that again and again, and eventually, you know, ended up meeting my husband, and we now do go to Ditch Plains Beach together and hold hands and look at the ocean, and I think, I can't believe I made this happen. Um, but doing that, thinking about places that you want to be with your partner, you know, picturing yourself on a bench overlooking LA, like in 500 days of summer or mm -hmm. picturing yourself, you know, in, in the streets of some city in the streets of Paris with them, wherever, wherever you want to be, or even, you know, in your own bed, snuggling up with some coffee, 
um, and maybe both of you reading a good book, picturing that, really getting the feeling of what that would be like is kind of gets those feelings going for you so that you can kind of draw that into your world, you know, you and you and your twosome. It's sort of that manifestation. Some people don't really have, some people have a harder time with imagination. I used to be that way. But what I found really useful is using smells that bring up mm -hmm. memories from um, before, like my childhood, um, memories of happiness, obviously. So I have this one bottle of perfume that reminds me of this this one time in high school when I was extremely happy about something really stupid but I just remember <laughs> feeling right. really happy in that moment so I kind of I, I use smell as a way to bring up some of those great memories music's another yeah. good one music yeah. oh I yes think also what I like um I, th I think you mentioned this in your book too but like looking at other men or women in your life that you admire even if it's not like a romantic possibility mm. but instead of mm -hmm. being jealous of your friend that has a great relationship reframing it of like yeah. what are the things that I admire about this relationship and how can I bring that energy to mind it's just such a different mindset than just being like uh can't believe she got that guy and I'm still <laughs> yeah. single yeah. Like, it's just right so which we different. do all the time and it's totally natural and human to to you know get jealous or envious and want to you know smack the people who have everything or seem to have everything so instead, it's flipping that and saying, you know what? I think it's really cool that she has a relationship, that she and her partner text cute little gifts to each other all day long, or he checks in with her before he heads out, you know, or I love that this couple has, you know, cute uh, code names for each other, or he calls her baby all the time. I want that, mm -hmm. you know? So really, in instead of, it's like when you feel envy, flip it, you know, flip like all it. the things yeah. that give you like an ugly feeling inside and try to flip it to how can I see this in a good way that makes me feel happy to see it? Because officially it becomes proof that these relationships exist and that means you can have it for yourself. That's great. This is a little bit easier said than done because I've, I've gone through this process and I think baby steps for those of you who are, um, who don't, you know, naturally reverse it to <laughs> positivity is first step is to validate your feelings. The first step for me was to say, okay, I'm feeling a little upset. I'm feeling negative and mm -hmm. it's okay for me to feel this way, but at least I acknowledge it. And the next step is to say, how can I feel more positive in this situation? So at least those are the baby steps. Yeah. To say to someone that you have to be happy all the time to have a relationship, <laughs> that is terrible advice. And that's not what I'm saying at all. You're human. We're all human and feelings go up, down and sideways. Yes. So like what you're saying, it's really all about acknowledging what you're feeling. Yep. And, and trying to figure out how to flip it in the way that you can more often focus on the positive things that will attract more positive things. And not beating and yourself up if you are feeling negative. Exactly. Yes, so normal. And in fact, being negative, I mean, sometimes it turns hilarious. We've seen Bridget Jones's diary, yeah. right? She's in the house and listening to like, I, you know, sad songs and eating ice cream and those are the moments that eventually make you appreciate having a relationship. You know, thinking back like, gosh, I'm in such a low place right now. I, I remember watching Saved by the Bell and seeing Mr. Belding, like the school principal, <laughs> who was in a relationship. He had like a girlfriend or a wife. And I thought, oh, my God, Mr. Belding has love. <laughs> I, I caught myself going, what is wrong with you? It's a TV show. 
And that made me laugh. And I thought, okay, I'm officially pathetic, but I know I'm not the only pathetic person on earth doing this right now. There's other people eating ice cream right now and crying. And there's also so, people listening who are like under 28 who are thinking, who the hell is Mr. Belding? <laughs> Give yourself a gift of watching Saved by the Bell at least once. It's still a classic. That's a takeaway. Catch up on yeah. Saved by the Bell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you so many, so many takeaways from that. Any other takeaways? I mean, I think, yeah, I think all of this is amazing. I guess my last thing, I'd love to hear how you felt when you met your husband and how did you know that he was your half orange? Oh, I felt giddy and zingy and nervous when I met my husband. The funny part of it is, is that I actually knew him from grade school as it turned out. And we had dated for a summer in college. Uh, so I knew of him, but when I finally ran into him, I mean, a decade plus after I had last seen him and realized that he was single and I was single and talking to him, just, it just gave me butterflies and made me smile and laugh. And, and I just, I, I was attracted to him and I, I wanted to just spend more time with him. And I thought, wow, I, I can't believe I'm feeling this about a kid who, I remember seeing is like, you know, he's two, two grades younger than me in school. So I always thought of him as little Gus from school. <laughs> and I thought, I can't date little Gus. That's no way. <laughs> so I normally would have discounted him immediately and thought, no, 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 I can't. Uh, which is what happened in college. I thought, I can't, I can't. Um, but when I ran into him uh, those bunch of years ago, I felt, I couldn't design, deny how I was feeling in the moment, which was excited and giddy and appreciated and smart and all the good stuff. I felt like I felt like I'd met a good match for myself and I wanted to see where I would go. Yeah, and probably so much was the energy that you had. Yeah. Like yes. who knows what would have happened if you were still in that super negative down oh, dumps on dating. Yeah, there's no way you can feel giddy and negative <laughs> at the same time. It's like those two can't go together. <laughs> well and the great irony was is the night that I met my husband, I was invited to a big birthday party on the roof of a building in Williamsburg, Brooklyn that was gonna be all the rage and it had tons of cute guys. But at the same time, my mother had invited me home for the weekend with my sister for a Mother's Day. And I thought, you know what? I bet that party's going to be great, but I, my mom needs me. I, I want to be surrounded by love this weekend. I'm going to do what I really want to do, which is to show my mom how much I care yeah. and go home with her and garden and putter around the house. And then she invited us to a movie that she wanted to go to. And it was at the movie that my husband actually had made the film. At the movie, I ran into him and thought, I cannot believe I just met the love of my life while hanging out with my mom. Wow. <laughs> well, it just well, shows you that you, it's, you never can know. happen anywhere, and it doesn't have to be like <sighs> the places know. you stereotypically think you're going to meet someone. Yeah, I just, I was feeling good. I was on point. I was doing what I wanted to do. And I'm sure I was not dressed for the occasion. I'm sure. I don't remember what I was wearing, but it was not fancy. Doesn't I assure you. Matter. Doesn't even yeah. matter. Awesome. Great conversation. This is awesome. Awesome. So, Amy, if, if people want to read your book, they can go on Amazon and find that. <laughs> the cover's the, updated. The cover's updated. <laughs> That's right. Meeting your, your half, half orange. orange with a cute little orange on it. Yeah. Cute. And then and hopefully your other if, book is Whether also... they're ready for the book or not, maybe a little bit of dating, dating optimism for now in the meantime. And then they can go on your website, thelifeoptimist.com. And follow you on Twitter at Dating Optimist. Anywhere else they can stalk you. <laughs> they can stalk me on my actual website, amyspencer.com. So yeah, they can find all, all the new things that I'm working on and 
information about my other books and some happy videos to go with my books. Awesome. Fabulous. Great. Well, yeah. listeners at home, it's all about dating optimism. It doesn't mean that you just, uh, you become optimistic overnight. It doesn't right. happen overnight, but it's a muscle you can work. And the more you work at it, the better you'll get at it. All right. Exactly. On that note, we're going to wrap this up. Stay, Stay dateable. dateable. Your action item for this week is to practice dating positivity. Instead of focusing on things that didn't work out, why not think about the qualities that you liked, the qualities that attracted you to the people that you dated, and then ask the universe for more of that. This episode of Dateable is brought to you by 500 Brunches. 500 Brunches connects like-minded people with similar interests to meet in real life over brunch. You answer a quick questionnaire about your interests and how you spend your time, and then they'll match you in small groups of six to eight at a brunch spot in San Francisco. Get a free entry into a brunch now by signing up at 500brunches.com and using the code DATEABLE. If you didn't know already, we have a revamped website with articles, videos, and content all about modern dating. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We've had some great feedback about how actionable these episodes are. So check them out on our website or iTunes Music. Also, visit the site today to see the latest about coaching, where we connect you with dateable approved experts to help with everything from dating profile reviews, coaching, and even gathering real feedback about your dating style in a personalized and affordable way. To connect with us, visit datablepodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under Dateable Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and auto-download the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast player so you never miss an episode.